Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Teddy Sarah initially fostered her dog Pani, who came from Iran unable to use her back legs. But despite her sometimes limited physical abilities and health challenges, Pani has unlimited energy, and her positive attitude and zest for life continues to inspire Teddy to overcome whatever comes her way. This is a story of hope and determination, both for Pani and the woman who rescued her, Teddy Sarah. Teddy, welcome to Dog Save the People. I'm so happy to have you here in the studio. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Okay. Um, I lived there all the way through high school and then moved to Boston for college, Chicago for grad school, and ended up here in New York City afterwards. And how long have you been in New York? I've been here for five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. I came here originally just to try it for three months, and that was five years ago. I want to start first, um, you've got a beautiful story, but I want to first talk about a dog that you had, Cody, Yeah. and how he inspired your life. Oh my gosh, Cody was like the first love of my life. I just adored that dog. I got him, I don't know, when I was maybe 12 or something, and my sister and I had just been begging our parents for a dog, and we finally got him. He was a bearded collie. We didn't know about rescue at the time, but now... I've learned and I know, but so Cody, we got him. It was the most exciting thing. And I just adored that dog with all my heart. Mm -hmm. And he, in a lot of ways, influenced my interest in nutrition. That led me myself to become vegan. Uh And when he was about 10 years old, he was very sick. He just was like getting old, like an old dog. And he couldn't walk and he had bad arthritis. And you could just see that he was struggling. And I took him to the vet and the vet recommended this book called Dr. Picarin's Complete Guide to Natural Health for Cats and Dogs. And it recommended all these holistic treatments and cooking for your dog, making their food. Yeah. And so I switched uh, Cody over because he'd been on kibble forever. Yeah. And switching him made such a difference and added years to his life. And when he did end up dying later, almost four years later, the vet said, I hope you know that the changes you made in his life added these extra four years. And so that was super influential. And just to love a being that much was just incredible. And then to lose him was, I was with him. He was our family dog, but Mm -hmm. I was alone with him when he passed away. It was absolutely the most horrible and traumatic day of my life. Because if anyone has had a dog suffer from that, you know that they suffer incredibly. And it's so, so hard to watch. But I think in a lot of ways, it helped me. It made me a more spiritual person. It made me work on how can I grow and live in this world when these are realities that you'll lose people and things that you love. And I have two rabbits also. And one of my rabbits passed away in the fall, Henry. But so when he was dying, I thought of Cody so much. And I said, how can I be more present for him and not lose it and spiral and think about how torn up I'll be without him. And his death ended up being such a peaceful experience and not one that destroyed me the way that Cody's death did when it happened. And so I felt, even though what I went through with Cody was so hard, I was so grateful that that had happened because it changed who I am as a person and my ability to deal with when Henry passed away. Wow, that's amazing. Because I know that it is. It's part of the contract that we have with our animals. Yeah. And when I lost my first dog as an adult, it just, I, I was 
almost bedridden for a yeah, couple of days. Absolutely. And now going forward, although every time I do lose a dog, it's very sad. And when I think about losing the, the dogs that I have in my life now, I have three dogs. Yes, yeah, so hard to think. It's, it's hard to think about, but I also know that it is. It's just part of our life. And I yeah. love your attitude and what you learned from this about being more present. Yeah. yeah. And trying to see the beauty and how sacred it is. It really is. Yeah. It's a, it can be yeah. very magical, even though it can be heartbreaking at the Absolutely. same time. Absolutely. And you know, it took me a long time to get over Cody's death. I was so traumatized by sure. it. But a big thing that helped it, and I'm sure we'll talk about, was when I got interested in animal rescue mm-hmm. here in New York. And that absolutely saved me and showed me that I could love again in such a big way. And it also paralleled I'd gone through a very bad breakup, uh-huh. very similar to the time Cody died. So to have the blessing of animal rescue and my involvement in it once I came to New York was the most healing thing for me. So... Coming to New York, you found yourself drawn to rescue. How did that all, how did that yeah, happen? Yeah, so I moved to New York and I really, you know, I haven't even talked about this on my blog. I really moved to New York in a place where I was pretty emotionally destroyed. I went through that breakup I told you. I lost Cody and Cody's death was so traumatic. And a few other things had happened in my life that were really hard. So I moved to New York and I was struggling. I was not feeling good and I was like you know what Cody made me so happy but Cody's gone I want to be around dogs how can I do that I'm not in a position to get a dog myself so I literally sat down one day and I was like you've got to turn this around Teddy and I googled animal rescue volunteer opportunities near me and the first thing that came up was Animal Haven which is a shelter down in Soho yes and I applied online to be a volunteer a few weeks later I went to the orientation and I've been involved with them ever since. And so I started out as a volunteer and I would go there a couple times a week and walk dogs, clean cages, facilitate meet and greets, and eventually worked my way up to fostering. Okay, that's amazing. So tell me about fostering. Yeah, so it was sort of amazing how the fostering started because I'd always been interested in it, but I thought my heart cannot handle that. And a lot of people say that to me. There's no way I can foster because I love the dogs too much. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. I was that same way. but. What ended up happening is Animal Haven lost their lease. Yes. And they had nowhere to go. And they needed to find homes for all those dogs. And I was an active volunteer there. And I was like, you know what? I think this is a sign that I should start fostering. I've been thinking about it forever. And I'll deal with the goodbye afterwards. Right. And so I mentioned to Mantat, one of the guys that works there, how does fostering work? And somehow I signed up for it. And I ended up getting my... Well, actually, I got a different dog first from Social Tees. She was my very first one in the middle of while I was waiting to get a dog from Animal Haven. And so her name was Vanessa. She was a little black lab puppy. Sweet. I had her for like two months. And from there, then Animal Haven had moved out of the shelter and was ready to give me a dog after Vanessa was adopted. And then I fostered all my other fosters through Animal Haven. And I have to say, the goodbyes are always hard. I always tear up every time, but they definitely get easier, 100%. And I still, I'm not disconnected from those dogs. Like, I love those dogs when I have them. So the whole experience, I I ended up in total fostering 22 dogs and one kitten. So Pawnee was foster number 22, but she has an interesting story. So she, I ended up adopting her. But the purpose that those dogs gave me was just unparalleled, even more than what I get. I have a blog, but I also work 
part-time at a hospital and nothing compares to the fostering work that I did. I mean, it just like filled my heart up so much and to love these animals and see the transformations they make, it's just amazing. It's one of my favorite things that I do. That's incredible. My life, yeah. And I know that with fostering, it's such a missing link yeah. in the world of rescue. And there are so many dogs. I volunteer with a shelter out in Yonkers and we're always looking for fosters. Yeah. And because otherwise these dogs and cats are going to be living in kennels and cages and they just kind of start deteriorating. Yeah, it's stressful. And they also, it's very stressful. And also for them just to kind of get used to living in a home. Some of them never mm -hmm. lived in a home, but That's to get to, to kind of be able to go from a home to yeah. a home instead of yeah. a, a kennel or a cage mm -hmm. to a home, which is that in its of itself yeah. is very traumatic. Yeah. So it's a, I really applaud you for that because oh, thank you so much. it's something that when I got into rescue, I'm like, I already have three dogs. I couldn't handle that. Yeah, but that's a lot. I'm always so blown away yeah. when I see people on the street and they might be walking a dog that says adopt Tom, me yeah. and they're fostering that dog. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a um, honorable, Absolutely. beautiful thing. And you know, with fostering, one of the really great things is I always think of this story. I was on, while well, Animal Haven was under construction, the new one, they'd have adoption events like at a van a couple times a yeah. week. And I was going to like every single one and I'd bring my foster and volunteer there. And this man came on to the adoption vet once and said like, oh cool, nice, nice dogs. And he said, I I'm getting my family a puppy. I just put the down payment down from a breeder. It's like this really great designer dog or whatever. And then he looked at all of us because we were sort of like, how can you be saying uh -huh. that to us in a van full of dogs who need homes, amazing right. dogs who need homes. And he said, well, you know, because you never know with the rescue dog. Yes. And I didn't say it at the time because I just about blacked out. Yeah. I was so mad. But one of the things that I always tell people is with a rescue dog, you know so much. If that was my foster dog, I could literally tell you every single thing about that dog. Yes. Where they like to sleep, exactly their bathroom habits, if they're potty trained or not, what food they like, what they're like on a leash. Like when you get from a rescue, and even if the dog isn't in foster, there's volunteers and staff people with those dogs every day till they get adopted. When you put a down payment on a puppy, you have no idea what you are getting. And so if we lived in a world where there weren't millions of dogs that needed homes, breeding might be okay, but that's not the reality. And there's just so many, I get really fired up about it. There's so many Go amazing homes in, or amazing animals in shelters that need loving homes. And I just can't stress enough, like there is nothing inferior about a rescue dog. They're amazing. And so many of the rescues were purebreds that people who were bad owners got rid of. Exactly. And so, you know, I just can't stress rescue enough. I agree with yeah. you. No, I know. And my friends who do have dogs from breeders, I totally get it, and I understand. And but at the same time, I mean, for me, it is—it's about rescue. Yeah. So. And the thing for me was like I said, Cody, who I loved so much, he was from a breeder because we yeah. just didn't know, and that's why yeah. I like to use my platform, my blog, and my Instagram to talk about rescue because I think if people really knew, like if they really came into a shelter and saw all the dogs, they'd realize how amazing it is and how there's no need to go pay thousands of dollars also for a dog that isn't even born yet when there's all these amazing dogs waiting for, yes. for their forever yeah. home in a shelter. So let's move on. So you had 22 foster dogs and one kitten. Yes. And then a dog named Pawnee came yes. into your life. So tell me about her. Yes. So in my fostering, I'd sort of worked my way up to um, more complicated cases and some special needs dogs. So I had had a blind dog, a deaf dog, a blind and deaf dog, 
Right before Pawnee, I had two teeny, teeny, tiny little puppies that had been in the hurricane in Puerto Rico. So I'd had some tough cases and so Mika at Animal Haven called me or emailed me or something one night and said, hey, we have a new special needs dog coming from Iran. We think she's paralyzed. We don't know for sure. And we don't know the bathroom situation, but she'll be here tomorrow. And I was like, ooh, sounds really complicated. Uh -huh. And I was like, but you know what? I think I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenge. And you know, the thing with fostering is worst comes to worst. If I really couldn't do it, I could return the dog to the shelter. Yeah, it has somewhere safe to go. That never happened, but Pawnee was flown. And I didn't know anything really about her story at the point. She was flown from Iran to Atlanta. She spent one night at a temp foster down there. And then she flew to Animal Haven and spent one night there because I had work so I couldn't pick her up that night. And the next day I went and I picked her up at Animal Haven. And it's so funny. I always say the first three days of fostering, I'm like, ooh, what did I get myself into? Right, this is too difficult. Like with every single foster. Uh -huh. And then by day, <laughs> the end of day three, I'm like, oh my God, I love this dog yeah. so much. I'm just obsessed with it and they're amazing. And so... I remember I went to pick Pawnee up and I was really missing the puppies that had been adopted because had, that had been really recently. And I remember I saw Pawnee looking in a cage. Now, I think Pawnee is the cutest thing ever. I'm obsessed with her. And I remember being like, she's not that cute. Like trying to talk <laughs> myself out of like falling uh -huh. in love with her because that's what I always do the first few days. But so they gave me Pawnee and they were like, here's the deal. Here are some dog diapers. We made an appointment at a rehab facility that luckily is very close to where I live. And they said, let us know how it goes. And I was like, and she didn't have a wheelchair or anything at the time. And they said she can drag herself around, but she definitely can't walk. The story I was told was that she had been abused, they thought, that someone had broken her back and threw her out on the streets. And as you'll hear me talk about, she has a very feisty personality. And I think that is what helped her survive paralyzed on the streets of Iran. I took her home and it was definitely a challenge and it was also amazing like I always say I laugh and I say she didn't speak English but she didn't understand English she came from a country where they speak Farsi so she didn't understand anything I was saying to her she was jet-lagged she would be wide awake at night and want to sleep during the day and because she hadn't run or walked in such a long time because she was paralyzed she had so much energy and she was like destructive like she was naughty she's not naughty at all anymore now that she has a way to get her energy out because she has a wheelchair but we started rehab twice a week that's one of the amazing things about animal haven like they go above and beyond for their dogs so yes. they paid for her rehab all the way up until i adopted her and they've helped me also since then mm -hmm. and that's sort of like the beginning of me and Pawnee. It was just figuring out how to care for a paralyzed dog and taking her to a bunch of rehab appointments. And the rehab, so you did the water for dogs mm -hmm. and was she in the water swimming? So yeah, at first she did half hour in the pool, uh -huh. half hour of dry therapy, and then a few minutes of laser therapy on her spine always. And she she's made so much great progress. She can't walk on her own, but through the rehab, I mean, those legs, people always comment when they see her walking now. They, she's in a wheelchair, but her legs walk completely in line with her front legs now. Wow. I know. Isn't that incredible? I know. And so, you know, that's like the main reason we go to the rehab, just to prevent muscle wastage yeah, and muscle atrophy and keep her as healthy as she can be given her disability. Wow. So how has the relationship changed between when you first got her as a foster to when you adopted her and, and beyond? Yeah, so well, one of the great things is 
between the time that I started fostering her and adopt her, she got a wheelchair with Animal Haven. It's custom fit just for her body. Because that's the thing with dog wheelchairs, they need to be fit. I mean human too, but they need to be properly fit so you don't do any further damage to the dog. And so she has a custom wheelchair from Eddie's Wheels. And she became such a better and more well-behaved dog once she had that outlet for her energy. I mean, she's not the kind of dog that would destroy anything. Now, she would never chew a shoe or a carpet or the things that she did when I first got her. So that has made it, a, like, and I say that with a lot of rescues, like if there are some issues in the beginning, like they will get better. And same thing with the pup, any dog, new dog that you yes. get, like it, it, puppies are crazy. <laughs> puppies do stuff. I don't care where they're from. Puppies yeah. are crazy. And so it always gets easier. And that's happened with me and Pawnee. It got a lot easier. And you know, I just love her. I love her so, so, so much. The two of us are just like a team. We do so much together. Anywhere I can take her, I try, or I try to bring her with. And I think she's so grateful to me because I've given her this life off the streets and and she feels safe and secure and comfortable and then she gives me so much purpose and happiness and mm. love every single day. It's incredible. Yeah. So when you started fostering her and then I guess since, I don't know, you adopted her, what, about a year ago? I adopted her about a year ago, so that was about six or seven months after I started fostering okay. her. And yeah. there, the medical bills were... Quite something. They were just astronomical, yeah. yeah. So the way that I ended up adopting her, because what happened was, I mean, I always thought about adopting every single dog that I had. Yes. And then, but I was like, you know what, I'm committed to the fostering, but with Pawnee, because of her special needs, um, and I have a unique work schedule at the hospital, like it really worked out well, her routine with my lifestyle, like being able to go to water for dogs and things like that during the week. And she was becoming the longest foster I'd ever had. The one I had before that was Dickie, who I had for four months. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love her, but she is so expensive. She's like a second rent right. because her rehab's incredibly expensive. Diapers are expensive. Wipes are expensive. And we're going to the vet every single month because she's getting UTI secondary yeah. to her paralysis. And I was like, I would love to keep her. I literally cannot afford to. And my followers on my Instagram were very invested in Pawnee. And I was getting a lot of messages like, you can't let this dog go. You guys love each other so much. And I was, it was actually hard to get those messages because I was like, I love her so much too. And at this point, people were writing back and saying, please, I'll contribute. How can I contribute? I want you two to stay together. And so I was thinking about it and I was just like, I don't know, like that feels weird to ask for money. But once it got to the point where I think about 50 different people had said, if you will please keep this dog, I will contribute. And I mentioned it to Animal Haven, Tiffany at Animal Haven, the director. And she said, you know what? Why don't you try it? Do a GoFundMe, see if you can get help with her rehab. And if you can't, we'll help you. And so I was like so blown away. And I was like, I think there's actually a way for me to keep this dog that I love so much. And the thing was at this point, like half a year in, I knew how to take care of her so well. Right. And so I couldn't imagine giving her to someone else either. And so it was really amazing and I'm so grateful to my followers and all their friends and family because we did the GoFundMe and it made very quickly $15,000 which helped and then people asked me to make an Amazon wish list and I mean they sent me a year supply of diapers and wipes and all these things to really help and it just made it feasible for me to 
adopt her to keep her and say okay i'm gonna figure out now that i have this cushion how i can support her in my own life and did some things like fought really hard for a raise at work that i ended up getting and things like that so that i could make it work but i'm so grateful to my followers because i never would have Isn't been able incredible? to keep her without their help yeah that's amazing yeah so what is it like having her on the street how do people respond to her you know, yeah, that's one of the most amazing things about having Pani. And I think about this a lot and it like makes me emotional when it's a small thing, but when you look at the big picture, it's so profound. One of the absolute gifts that Pani has given me is so many people are interested in her. I mean, she's this little white fluffy dog in a wheelchair, but she's like hustling, like she's yeah. running, nothing <laughs> stops her. She's going really fast. So everyone notices her. And People look at Pani and they smile and then they look at me and they smile. And I said, one day I had this realization. I was like, what a gift it is to be her mom. Like I might have to clean up a lot of poopy dog diapers, yeah. but oh my gosh, I walk the streets and hundred people smile at me yeah. every day. That would never happen in any other sort of situation. And so she gets so much attention on the streets and you know, everyone just wants to meet her and say hi to her and ask what her story is and i think she's really inspiring it's been nice we've met a lot of people who are like oh my gosh my dog's struggling with this or that and i tell them about the book that's been so helpful and about water for yeah, dogs so it's an amazing it's an amazing conversation starter and also about rescue because she looks like a little purebred and you yeah. know she might be yeah originally sure. have been someone's little purebred but it's great to say like no she's actually a rescue dog and Look at how great she's getting along in her wheels. And then she like pulls me along and we got to keep going. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love, I mean, one of the things I love about New York, living in New York City especially, is that it's constantly, you're constantly interacting with people. Yeah. And when you have dogs, people respond to your dogs. The dogs are responding to each other. Yeah. It's like, it's a constant interaction. Mm -hmm. And you never get lonely. Yeah. I mean, yes, it can be a lonely town, but... There's, there's always someone to talk to. There's always to, someone yeah. to talk to, and there's always a way to, in many ways, be of service to others yeah. by just saying hi to somebody that may look a little bit lost yeah. or helping somebody on the street. Yeah. And I, there's something about New York that just, it sings to mm -hmm. me in that way. Yeah. And I had a three-legged dog, and oh. very similarly, uh, when we would walk down the street, people would would see him, and he was such like a, he couldn't just saunter, he had to hop or run because he was missing his front one front leg so he was right. constantly kind of on the move and people people, notice, yeah. people would be in their own head and they would see him and they would they would stop and he they would smile mostly yeah. some would jump out of the way but yeah they would smile and it really i think it just reminds people like you know my problem is so insignificant this dog yeah. is like just getting on with things. Absolutely. And that's what I imagine it is with Pawnee. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she's so inspirational to people. Because not only is she, like, making it work in a wheelchair, like, she's killing it. She's running <laughs> the streets of New York. She can go for a two-hour walk, no problem. And then I'm, like, tired. And she's like, Mom, come on. Like, what are you doing? We've got the city to explore. Let's go. <laughs> now, tell me about Pawnee's diet. So, I've always been a big proponent of making your dog's food mm -hmm. after Cody was very sick and I switched him off of kibble because the thing with kibble is I always sort of related to I grew up thinking like kibble is for dogs that's what dogs are meant to eat but yes. the thing is kibble is very devoid of nutrients it's like eating crackers every day like it can sustain you but it's not as good as eating the real thing and so 
when I had so much success with Cody, I would make all my foster dogs food, which was amazing to see how well they'd all respond to it. Um, I wasn't doing vegan or plant-based for them because I really didn't know if that was okay for dogs right. or good for dogs. And so um, even though I myself am vegan, I would make them food, but cooked food that had meat in it also. And so with Pawnee, what led me to dive a little deeper in her diet is, as I mentioned, she had chronic UTIs, which are a very common problem in humans or animals that are paralyzed. Sure. And so what led me to be like, I really need to change this was the vet had said, okay, so we've tried all these antibiotics. She does have a new strain. Here's the medication for it. And he said, but the thing is, this medication is very toxic to humans. You need to wear gloves when you touch it. Like it's very important, but it's fine Oof, for dogs. Gosh. And I hung up the phone and I just started to cry. And I was like, there is no way I'm putting something in my dog that is that toxic to me that if I touch it, I like need to go to the doctor. And gosh. so I was like, you know what? It's time to do something different. And so one of the things I did, I we stopped the pool part of the therapy and increased the dry therapy just to see if that would help. Right. Ended up repurchasing the book, Dr. Pitcairn's Complete Guide to Natural Health for Cats and Dogs. I knew that that book helped Cody so much. And so I wasn't looking to change her to plant-based. I was just looking for answers and like how to make her the healthiest food I could. Yes. When I opened it up and started reading it, I just about fell off the couch onto the floor because this vet who I just absolutely respect and credit him with helping me add years to Cody's life was recommending, not only saying it was okay, but recommending a plant-based diet for dogs. And it was making so much sense because all the reasons that a plant-based diet is healthy for humans apply to them too. And so I followed his recipes exactly. I got the couple supplements he recommended, stopped the antibiotics cold, like no more antibiotics. I mean, not in the middle of a course, but we weren't gonna start yeah. anymore. I reached out to, I ended up finding a vet that was trained under Dr. Pitcairn who does holistic veterinary care and homeopathy. And so I switched her to a plant-based diet in conjunction with the homeopathy and knock on woods, that girl never got a UTI again. And she's just so much healthier and she's just like glowing. She's like a glowing little dog because she's eating all these amazing nutrient-dense plant-based foods. And I know a lot of people, it's really shocking to think of not feeding your dog meat. But there right. was a time when it was really shocking to think of people not doing it too. Yeah. And I think that this is just like the second wave of it. And it's catching up to where the human interest in it is. But, you know, if you look up hashtag vegan dog, there's actually a lot of them out there. And they're all doing really, really well. What's one of her meals? Do you switch it out or you kind of make yeah, the same I thing? I switch it out and I follow the recipes exactly in the beginning. But once you get the hang of it, it's, it's pretty easy to mm -hmm. switch it up. So a really common meal she would have is like, what did you have for dinner last night? Quinoa. Yeah. Kidney beans. Uh-huh. Brussels sprouts. Little dash of tamari. I put a little tahini on it too. And then people always say, oh my God, that sounds so good. But then it gets a little weird because then I add like fruit right to her. So like it's not, it, people are like, I would eat that. Right. Then I add something weird like fruit to like a very savory yes. dish. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't care. So it was that plus some blackberries and yeah, that was, that was, that was dinner. That's amazing. And so I always switch up the veggies, the grain. She eats a lot of kidney beans and black mm -hmm. beans. She even eats tofu sometimes. Mm -hmm. She eats 
you know, besides the few things like chocolate, onions, raisins, and grapes that are really bad for them, she eats a lot of the same foods that I do. And I cook for her way more than I cook for myself. So where do we find you and Pawnee on social media? Yeah, so I share a lot of Pawnee on my Instagram, which is at Teddy Sarah, so T-E-D-I-S-A-R-A-H. And my blog is teddysarah.com. And so I post a lot of vegan lifestyle stuff, a lot of stuff about Pawnee, just anything that I think would make people happy or uplift them or make this world. I, I try to say my social media and my blog is all about sharing goodness in the world and it's whatever I'm sharing in some way, shape or form is to make the world a better place for either humans, animals or the planet. Beautiful. So that's and it's also thank interconnected. Yeah. Thank you for thank sharing. You. Yeah. Thanks for coming thank into for our listening. studio today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This okay. was a blast. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah, thank you. I loved hearing about the rambunctious spirit of Pani and how the two of them have formed this incredible, undeniable bond. I'm sure that when people see Pani going down the street in her wheelchair down the streets of New York, they're really just in awe, as I would be. I would love to see them coming down the street towards me. She and Pani kind of mirror each other. They have this energy, this positive attitude, and this zest for life that's infectious. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.